Welcome to ECB Everything College Basketball, cooking it up with Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. Yeah. It's everything college basketball. We're marching on to the madness. Come to full court press, every crazy dunk in the conference and how that team's back up. We're pulling your poles, taking your bows, letting the Burton brothers know. The players you're watching, the teachers you're not with, and who you see in the final four. With them shout outs and weekly pickums, plus those crazy rants from Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. It's ECB, everything college basketball, training three. Man, this podcast has it all. It's ECB, everything college basketball, training three. Yeah, now the moment you've all been waiting for Your host, from the corner It's Josh and Peyton Burton With Tyler Cool Everything College Basketball Podcast Welcome to another edition of Everything College Basketball, episode 51. I'm, of course, Josh Burton, and you better get used to that, because, effective immediately, Peyton is no longer with us. Still part of the Facebook group, but has chosen he's burned out on the podcasting, and will no longer be part of the podcast. Um... It's going to be awkward. The change is always awkward, and it'll be difficult. But I hope you guys stick with me as I find the process out being solo by myself. But this thing will continue. Um, we've came way too far. I've worked way too hard <laughs> to build this thing up. So this will continue. So no worries there. It's just you'll have to just get used to me, it being me until I get a, either another co-host or you know, have some guests on, which we will. We are working on some stuff. Um, as we go along, though, um, obviously, <laughs> I might have to get the intro changed. Shout out to Wayne Emberton. Obviously, it does the, you know, the bang-up job on the, the intro. But the show must go on, and on it goes. Coming off the heels of last week's historic episode number 50, where we were able to look back at, basically the past year since this thing started and reminisce, but all while talking about current events. If you remember last week's show was actually titled Cats Over Cards. We recapped Kentucky's big win over Louisville in the Bluegrass game. We talked about West Virginia putting it on Ohio State and more last week. Um, and this week it's going to be more of the same. We've got a lot of talk about conference play, hashtag conference play officially for the mo- majority of – America kicked off this this past week. We are into a new year. We're now into the year 2020. We hope you all out there had a safe and fun and enjoyable turn of the new year. <laughs> um, let's hope 2020 is a good year for everybody out here in ECB land. But conference play, and I say for the majority of America, as you know, the last few years that the Big Ten and the ACC and the Big East, few conferences like that have already played one or two, sometimes three conference games before the January. I'm old school. I still love the fact that, like the SEC and company, the Big Twelve, 
still go traditional, and then you do January is when you start conference play. But nonetheless, we are officially full-blown conference play mode. This weekend, we wrapped up a couple of the bigger non-conference matchups that finished that had to finish it wrapping up. But everybody's in conference play now. So now we're going to find out the pretenders and the actual contenders to win the league. Normally about this time in conference play is when you start to find out who's really, really going to be good in the, you know, as the year progresses. This next two months, you know, January, February, we're going to, it's going to be make or break for a lot of teams in the nation. A lot of teams that didn't have necessarily good non-conference play could find their footing with familiar foes inside the inside their conference. And then all of a sudden we're looking at March. Now they're on a big run. They look good. Conversely, we see it every year. Teams who've had one heck of a non-conference schedule or non-conference record get in conference play and they struggle. We're going to find out. We've already started to see that with a couple teams in particular. One I'm going to talk about here later on that um, – your conference play hasn't been good to them so far. Of course, I'm three, almost four minutes in the show, and I haven't mentioned it yet, but you guys should know we're sponsored and brought to you by Applied Right Painting and Restoration. Hit up J.R. Rowan Company. It's 2020. Don't go anywhere else for your painting and all your, your needs around the house. Hit up Applied Right Painting and Restoration. Tell them I sent you from ECB. Help them. Help us. Help you. However that saying goes, you know the deal. But we, like I said, we are in 2020 now. Obviously, it's already been a year of change. It's going to be just me now. But that's okay. We will find our footing. We've got a lot of college basketball. We're starting to get into the thick of things here now, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, conference play is such a fun time of year. You get those traditional rivalries that's built over time inside conference play, whether you know Power Five conference or um, low mid major or a small conference. You always have built-in rivalries due to conference play, and it's just fun. Now we start to get Big Tuesday, big or sorry, Big Monday, Super Tuesday. Those are always fun. Uh, so we're starting into that. We got a lot to talk about today, though. Well, I guess tonight technically, but we got a lot to talk about tonight on episode fifty-one. I'm gonna take a quick break in the action, let myself get uh get adjusted here. You know what I'm saying? But before I do. You need to check out our good friends from Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a podcast by the fans, for the fans. And you can find them everywhere that Everything College Basketball is found. Conrad Cushman, we shouted him out last week. He does a phenomenal job with that. And you're going to want to listen to him coming off the heels of Wrestle Kingdom, the New Japan, their two-night show for the first time in history of that company. Two-night show, historic matches, Jushin Thunder Liger, um, his retirement match, Chris Jericho was on the card against Hiroshi Tanahashi. We crowned a new, uh, for the first time ever, double champ in New Japan Pro Wrestling history, Tetsuya Naito. So a lot to digest, and there's only one place you need to go find that, and more of all the wrestling coverage, whether it's WWE events, um, NXT, AEW, NWA, and Indies, and all around. Hit up Conrad Cushion, everything pro wrestling. And with that, we're going to take the first break in the action. We come back. I keep saying we. Maybe I'm talking to you guys. But when I come back, we come back, however you want to look at it. It's time to start getting into some recaps, previews. Let's just talk some college hoops. This is already kind of weird for me just being by myself. So let's just do what we do. Let's talk college hoops. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. 
Hey, welcome back. Like I said, let's jump right into things, guys. Episode 51. Again, if you've heard, you should have heard in the open, if you've forgotten somehow between now and, or then and now, it's just me, just me, Josh Burton. But let's go ahead and jump right into some of the reviews from this past week's game. We talked about conference play was starting this week and how exciting it was. Monday, we did have some hangover from a couple of the remaining non-conference games left. Gonzaga blows out Detroit Mercy, uh, and Detroit's played a tremendous schedule, by the way. They have played some tough opponents. Their record says they're 2-12. and They've played some tough opponents in the non-conference. Their star, Antoine Davis, went for 31. That's head coach Mike Davis' sign. Indiana fans should recognize that name, Mike Davis, being the former Hoosier coach. His son's a sophomore. We talked about him last year. He was, as a freshman, one of the top scorers in the nation. I think the top scoring freshman in the nation nation last year. Antoine Davis, you've not seen the kid play. He can put up numbers. Also, Detroit Mercy has Brad Calipari, who's been shooting lights out for him. But they were no match for Gonzaga. Gonzaga, the number one team in the land. Philip Petrozev scored 22. Pretty easy night for Gonzaga. But we did have our first taste of the conference play inside the Big East. The same Big East that we voted last week that had been the conference of the year so far. That was just our opinion. We thought that they've been the toughest conference of the year thus far going coming into this week. It went a banger. We had a very good non-ranked or Xavier team going on the road in Philadelphia playing the number 10-ranked Villanova Wildcats. Nova was up 7 at halftime, 32-25. But Xavier outscored the second half, but it wasn't enough. Villanova 68, Xavier 62 to start off each team's respective Big East slate. Colin Gillespie continues his hot run. 24 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists to leave the Wildcats. Najee Marshall, one of the better players, if not maybe the best player from Xavier right now. 19 points to lead the Musketeers. But starting Big East playoff, Xavier Villanova, two teams that are favored to win the league. I mean, you put at the beginning of the season, it was like a, there was a, we knew there was going to be a bunch of good teams, but it could have been like four team race, right? Villanova, Xavier, um, Seton Hall, and Marquette. And you have two of those four preseason playing the very first game of the Big East. But Villanova continues their hot streak right now. They've got stuff rolling right now, and this is starting to look like that. I mentioned after the Kansas game, this is starting to look like that Villanova team that we expect in the preseason. And like we've seen Villanova teams of the past shooting a ton of threes. Uh, this is looking like a very, very dangerous Villanova team, to be quite honest. They're 26 right now in Ken Palm. You know, Ken Palms are our metrics that we go by that really determines a lot. You can look at rankings, you can look at standings. But Ken Palm will tell you basically where each team's at in a lot of ways. Villanova's 10th in offense, surprises nobody. They're 84th in defense. Defense could be better, but they're not really – the defense has always been just good enough. Offense is where it's been at, and you look at their offensive stats. They are top 50 in effective field goal percentage, shooting 53.4% from the field. They are 22nd two-point percentage, 55%. You know, they shoot a bunch of threes, and this is, I think, why their three-point percentage is down. They're 126, still shooting 34.3, which isn't bad, but you'd expect Villanova to be up for that 40% mark. But they shoot a ton of them. Still good enough. But this Villanova team's starting to roll now. They're starting to roll. Now, we'll get into them, how they played on Saturday. But without, you know, actually, let's just go and talk about it. They do have that good win against Xavier. And then yesterday, they play uh, the uh, one of the other favorites to win the conference. They play Marquette, 
Marquette puts it on them. They're up big, big at one time. They end up losing uh, 71-60 to Marquette. But I still think even with that loss, you look at Villanova's now won, you know, five of their last six, the Marquette loss being it. They've got three losses on the year, Ohio State, Baylor, and Marquette. They've beaten Kansas. They've beaten Xavier. So I liked it. They beat Mississippi State, who's a decent Mississippi State team. But I like this Villanova team, even on the loss on Saturday to Marquette. But Monday night, they opened the conference play up against Xavier, started off 1-0. Dayton on Monday night blew out North Florida. The only reason this is sort of notable is uh, their best player, Obi Toppin, scored 31 points. So a player of that magnitude, and you think about his uh, Maui tournament, how dominant he was, especially against Kansas, puts up 31. This Dayton Flyers team, number 20 in the nation, as good as team you're going to find in America, considering that, you know, a lot of teams are down this year. Like, it's a very balanced, um, very balanced college basketball. Tuesday. I would say ACC opener, but it's really not. Duke, 88. Boston College, 49. Duke dominates from start to finish. They're led by Matthew Hurt, 25 points. This is a kid we've been hard on all year because he comes as a five-star kid known for his shooting ability. And outside maybe that first game, even though he didn't really do that much against Kansas, but we've been harping on him. You know, can't go 0 of 4 from the field. You can't go 1 of 7. You can't. 25 points, ACC game at home. This Duke team's looking like one of the best teams in the nation right now. Number two in the nation, but they could be argued. I mean, if you want to argue they're better than Gonzaga right now, I think you've got a strong case. They've got that one loss at home. They struggled the very next game, and then they uh, started putting it on. So this Duke team's looking for real. How about back in the Big East? Number 11, Butler plays on the road in New York City, taking down St. John's. St. John's. That's a team, too. We had just talked about knocked off Arizona a week or two ago. A St. John's team that's playing above their um, above their ceiling, I thought. Butler goes in, had to squeak one out. They were up 21 at halftime, 37-16. And St. John's outscored them 42-23 in the second half, but it wasn't enough. Butler 60, or number 11 Butler 60. St. John's 58. Big East is crazy right now. Christian David had to hit a go-ahead three-pointer, 43 seconds left. And Butler had to win, or Butler survived. Kamar, Kamar Baldwin, 19 points for the Bulldogs. He's by far the best player. But that's that Big East, just like a lot of these conferences, I think, but that Big East is just going to be wild. I think by the end of it, it wouldn't surprise me we have six teams that are within a game and a half of each other to win that dang thing. Florida State, uh, comfortably, I guess. You know, they're only up two at half, but it kind of put it on. Georgia Tech in the second half, but Georgia or Florida State, number 18, Florida State, 70, Georgia Tech, 58. A Florida State team we'll talk about here in a minute as well. You move on to Wednesday night. Hold on. Actually, let me back up. I've got this on top 25. Looking down Tuesday night's list. I knew I was missing some other games. Um, I guess not. I guess not. Providence beat Georgetown, another Big East play, but moving down from Wednesday night. Undefeated, San Diego State, one of the only two remaining undefeated teams. Number 13th in the nation. Survived, I guess you would say. A, a tough Fresno State team, even though Fresno State's 4-10, and 10, but they gave them a game, San Diego State 61, Fresno State 52. That loss for San Diego State's coming. I just don't see – they're they're very good. I mean, uh, they defensively are good. They rebound well. 
But somewhere in that conference, you're going to see them slip up. That Mountain West Conference, someone, and I think it's going to be a team like BYU, Utah State. I think that's the best bets. BYU, Utah State to get San Diego State. Keep an eye out on that. SoCon, that Furman team's really good too. You know my love affair with the Southern Conference. Furman's 12 and 3. They're good again this year, like they were last year. Starting off conference play red hot. Here's a good SoCon game we talked about. East Tennessee State's at 13 and 2, now 2 and 0 in the Southern Conference. Beats Wofford, a good Wofford team. 49-48. That Southern Conference is legit again this year. They're only going to get one team again. But I'm telling you, just like last year, I'd almost like to see two teams from the Southern Conference in as opposed to uh, an under 500 Power 5 Conference team. That's just me. American Conference, guys, what's happened to UConn? Raise your hand out there if you remember when the U- uh, the Connecticut Huskies were elite. Because now they are losing in the American Conference. Uh, Cincinnati team has got potential. Talked about preseason. Cincinnati, I thought, could really... Uh, Really contend for top 25 status all year. I thought with Jared Cumberland coming back, leading them, and his brother transferring in, you know, under a new coach, it'd be more offensive-oriented. But they still are who they are. They're 8-5 and five on the year. But they did blow out UConn. UConn's now 9-4, and 0-1 oh and in, in the American Conference after that game. I just don't know about UConn. They're moving back to the Big East next year where they all have always belonged. But I don't know about them. I just I don't know how they've fallen from the elite so fast. Here's a minor upset people would think. On Wednesday night, we told you preseason how good this Creighton team is. They're 12 and 2 on the year. They've got a win over a red hot Texas Tech team. 92. Marquette, 75. That Big East, I'm I've harped on it already four times this episode. The Big East is wild. It is a wild conference. There's so many good teams that people don't realize. And the bad thing is they're going to devour and eat each other up. But by the time the tournament rolls around, they might only get five teams when they deserve maybe seven or eight. Right now, I think Bracketology, we'll talk about that later, has got them eight teams. I think they got the Big Ten with nine, the Big East with eight. But as with conference play, like I said, they're going to devour each other, eat each other up. And... Some of those teams will dwindle, but the Big East is legit this year. And that Creighton team at 12-2, and do not sleep on the Blue Jays. Do not sleep on the Blue Jays. Disappointing loss. You guys know, again, here's a team I'm very high on, and in a big upset, even though there's no ranking involved, Utah State is a very, very good team. Like a very good team. They brought their top seven players back. We talked about it all preseason. Had them in our top 25. They were in the AP top 25. Now they've got their third loss, first in the Mountain West. They lose and lose embarrassingly to a bad UNLV team. UNLV 70, Utah State 53. They can't take many more losses like this. I know they're how good they are. But if they're if they take one one more loss potentially like that to a team that's not named San Diego State or maybe BYU, now all of a sudden they I don't even know if they'll get a bubble like a you know be considered for an at large. Utah State's got to step it up. I know how good they are, but they've really got to step it up. You can't be losing, especially getting blown out to a bad UNLV running Rebels team. Moving on Thursday night, January 2nd, Gonzaga struggled with Portland for a while before blowing them out. Gonzaga wins 85-72, but people were paying attention to that game with like eight minutes to go. Portland was, I think, was up. 
Gonzaga goes on a big surge, wins the game. Killian Tilly, 22 points, two rebounds. Gonzaga can't be playing with teams like this. That w It's the same thing every year. Outside of St. Mary's, that WCC is not good. I think last year for a while, San Francisco, the Dons, were pretty decent. But outside of Gonzaga and St. Mary's, that conference has not been good for a long time. Gonzaga can't play with teams. Now, they're in no danger of missing the tournament unless they lose like three or four games like this. Then it could be iffy. But because their non-conference is always so good, they're always winning a bunch of games. They're in no danger of missing the tournament. But you can't play with teams if you're wanting a one seed. Their only chance that Gonzaga has year in and year out is to win a bunch of their non-conference games because they schedule tough and then run through the, the West Coast Conference. And then they'll get the number one or overall number one seed. We see it all the time. But you can't play with teams like Portland. It, it just can't happen. Here's one. Got my bank on it right. You guys remember my bank on it from last week. What did I say? I love this Colorado Buffaloes team. I banked on it. It came true. Colorado, 74. Number four, Oregon, 65. The Buffs are now 12-2 and on the year. 1-0 start Pac-12 play. Oregon Falls, 11-3. 0-1 in Pac-12. Colorado. I knew it, man. It was a good game back and forth, but late in the game, McKinley right the fourth from Colorado, made plays. Peyton Pritchard still had 21.6 boards, three assists. He's a great player. But I love that Colorado team. They spread you out. They can shoot. They're experienced. I love this Colorado team. And to me, that shows how good Kansas is. Because Colorado just put it on Oregon in a lot of ways, 74-65. Again, the game spread out late. Remember a couple weeks ago, Kansas goes into Colorado and handles business. That's how good Kansas is when they want to be. Or, you know, they play to their potential. But I love this Colorado team. They were by pick to win the Pac-12. I know Peyton went with Oregon. I don't remember who Tyler went with preseason. But I love this Colorado team. I'm sticking with them. I think by years in, not only are they going to be top 15 in the nation, they're going to be battling for a top four seed. I think they'll be like their ceiling's about a three or four seed, maybe a two, depending on how things fall. They will lose a couple games in the Pac-12. It's just going to be the nature of the beast. Oregon will get them back in the return to Eugene. They're going to slip up to a team like Oregon State, who's underrated. They're going to they're going to slip up. But I like this Colorado team a lot. You know, knocking off number four Oregon. They better be ranked come tomorrow's rankings. Big Ten play, Michigan, number 14, Michigan State, 76, Illinois, 56. I had Illinois winning this. I can't figure out this Illini team. They're 9-5 and five on the year, 1-2 and two in Big Ten play now. I thought preseason they were going to be the sleeper. I still think that they can make a run. You go, you're, Their backcourt's a really good backcourt. Trent Frazier, Ayo Donsuma. They've got the beast inside with Kofi Cockburn. They've got Georgie Bezos and Lavili. They just got to put it together. You've seen them hold home court and beat Michigan for their only Big Ten win. They've played a fairly tough schedule, but you got to start putting it together now. Illinois has got all the talent. you got to put it together. Xavier Tillman from Michigan State, this is a Spartans team that's playing tremendous right now. You know, they hit that side. I think we even might have put them on a borderline sinking shift, but Michigan State's found their groove. Xavier Tillman, 19.7 rebounds, 6 assists. All the while was Cassius Winston out for a couple games. Michigan State's doing it now. But Illinois, if you're the Illini or you're an Illini fan, got it. you've got the pieces to make the tournament this year. you got the pieces to contend in the Big Ten. But they got to put it together and be very, very more consistent than what that is. And I know that probably grammatically wasn't correct, but you get the idea. 
Um, Liberty, you know, Liberty coming off their only loss of the year so far to LSU. They bounce back, beat Florida Gulf Coast and uh, Atlantic Sun play 59-46. Good on Liberty. Still very high on that Liberty team. Also in conference play on Thursday night, taking a peek around the nation. Purdue 83, Minnesota 78, puts the Boilers at 2-1 and one in the Big Ten, 9-5 and five overall. This is another team inside that Big Ten that's very inconsistent. But Purdue, again, like Illinois, I was higher on them in the preseason than Peyton and Tyler were. Purdue has all the potential in the world. They've got to figure it out. They've got to find more consistency. Matt Harms led the Boilers, 26 points, 9 boards. You know, he's not going to put 26 up every night, but you need to get 14 from him and 9 and 10 rebounds, and then now you're talking. More spread out consistency. But that's a good win for Purdue. They absolutely need it. Held home court. Puts them at 2-1 and one in the Big Ten towards the top of the conference. So good win for the Boilers. VCU with a nice win in the A-10. 64-46 over Fordham. How about this? It's, I know this is not going to be an upset to a lot of people, but people who know the game. The Brown Bears. 85. Rhode Island, 75. That's been a Rhode Island program in the last 7-8 years. That's been very consistent. You've seen them win some tournament games. And Brown... Brown, good win. Good win for Brown. Scrolling down, uh, Western Kentucky, 93, North Texas, 84. High-scoring affair. Western's got to start winning a bunch of games from here on out. They've got too much talent. Trey Hollingsworth and Charles Bassey. Charles Bassey specifically could be a first-rounder. But too much talent. Western has got to start winning ball games. So it's a good job on them on that one. Oh, Upset, again, another one for all people who are really nuts about the game. SIU Edwardsville, 79, Belmont 69, and that's on the road. Drops Belmont to 0-1 in OVC play. So, again, a program that's been good year in and year out for a long time. Belmont loses at home by 10 to SIU Edwardsville. Not a good look. Not a good look. Murray State wins their Ohio Valley opener. Ohio, that Murray State team, I know they don't have John Murray. That's still a pretty good team. Utah, Pac-12 play, both are opener for both clubs. Utah, 81, Oregon State, 69. Both teams now 10-3. and 3. Utah, 1-0 in the conference. Oregon State, 0-1. Told you preseason, my Pac-12 player of the year and defensive player of the year both came from Oregon State. Trace Tinkle led them in this game from Oregon State, 19 points. Timmy Allen from Utah, 25-10. and 10. Oregon State, I know they lost this one. I still think that team can make the tournament. I still Trace Tinkle, one of the best scorers in the nation. They've got arguably the best shot blocker in the nation, too, and Kyler Kelly. Oregon State, the Beavers, I'm telling you, just keep an eye on them. I really like that Oregon State team still. Here's a shocker. UCLA, 66, Washington, 64. Isaiah Stewart had 24 and 11, five blocks. But And that's at home. That's a Washington team that we said could contend not only for the Pac-12, but a top four seed in the NCAA. That's their fourth loss in the year. 0-1 in conference to a, a pretty bad UCLA team, let's be honest. Not a good look if you're a, a Washington Husky. They got to figure that out in a hurry. Can't be losing the ones like that, that's for sure. Bad, bad loss. Um, St. Mary's, I talked about West Coast Conference. They're 1-0 in conference play uh, after the opening win against San Francisco, 69-58. Let's move quickly to see what Friday slate of games showed here. Oh, yeah, we had a big one here. We had a big one. Big 10 play. 
Wisconsin 61 on the road beating, or sorry, on the road, let me rephrase that, Wisconsin 61, number five, Ohio State 57. That's the Buckeyes' second loss in a row. They're not looking that good. They, you know, since I went against Kentucky, they've dropped two in a row. Wisconsin, on the other hand, now is playing well. Think about Wisconsin. A couple weeks back, they hold home court, beat up Indiana. Last week, they go to Tennessee, a place that's extremely hard to play in, beat up Tennessee. Now they go on the road to Ohio State, and they win 61-57 against the Buckeyes, one of the better teams in the nation. Caleb Wesson for the Buckeyes, 22-13. and Nate Rivers from Wisconsin, 17-9. and Keep an eye on that Badgers team. Greg Gard has found something with that lineup of Wisconsin. You know, they're playing hard defense. They're defending. You know, Demetric Trice is playing a lot better for Wisconsin. Great win for Wisconsin. If you're an Ohio State fan, you got to be a little nervous. Got to be a little nervous. You're not playing well right now. Um, it's not a good time to, it's never a good time to start playing bad, but not when you've got that big 10 slate, you've got to, you got to grind through. So good win for Wisconsin on Friday night. I tell you what, how about this? Seton Hall, 78, Georgetown, 62 in Big East play. Seton, the Pirates are now 2-0 in Big East play. Georgetown, 0-2. Matt McClung continues to put up numbers for Georgetown, 20 points, but just wasn't enough. Quincy McKnight actually led Seton Hall, 14 10 assists, 6 rebounds, flirting with a triple-double. And, of course, they get Miles Powell back. Once they get Sandra Mamakalashivi back and healthy, Seton Hall is still going to be right there for the Big East. Going to be a hard out in the NCAA tournament. Just keep an eye out on it. Now let's move real quickly to the Saturday slate of games where we had some of the big ones. Starting off, this thing will turn the page here. Number 18, Florida State, 78. Number seven, Louisville, 65. That's the Cards' second straight loss. They lose at home. They drop them to two and one in conference now. Florida State's three and one in ACC play. Jordan Warren, after having a pretty bad game against Kentucky, we railed him pretty hard. He bounces back for 32 points, 10 rebounds, but it wasn't enough. This Louisville team lacks consistency right now. Louisville absolutely lacks consistency. Um, you look at their Ken Palm. Ken Palm still has them six, but Louisville just lacks consistency. They're top 20 in both offensive defense still, but it's like if Nora plays well, nobody else plays well. Or if he doesn't play well, like in the Kentucky game, everybody else plays well. But you need them all clicking together. Florida State, on the other hand, that's a very good Florida State team again. They're so long, so big, so defensive-minded. You know, it's hard to score against them. You have to spread them out like Indiana did and then attack them when they close out hard. Louisville wasn't able to do that. Cards have lost twice now. Twice in a row. Speaking of Kentucky, um, Nick Richards put on a show. You know, Kentucky seven is number 17, Kentucky 71, Missouri 59. Cats open up SEC play with a victory. Nick Richards, 21 points, 12 rebounds. Had a sweet Euro step. Him, Emmanuel Quickly, like this whole team now. If you're watching Kentucky, this whole team's playing so much more confidently that it's amazing. It's like a complete night and day transformation from what we saw a couple weeks ago against Utah. And then they played better. They played harder against um, Ohio State, even though they lost. They played way better against Louisville. Now they play hard again. They started slow, but they turned it on. They went on in like a 14-0 run to put it, you know, get the lead on Missouri and then start to stretch it. Missouri played them very physical. Kentucky didn't back down. Nick Richards playing at this caliber, caliber played at this level makes Kentucky a legit title contender again, especially in the year where there's no great teams. I know you're going to say it's homerism, 
But Nick Richards playing at that level, Emmanuel quickly shooting and playing at that level, Ashton Hagens, and he did get injured, lower leg sprain or lower ankle sprain or ankle or foot. We instantly thought that it could be a torn Achilles. Thank God it wasn't. But those three guys played at that level, and everybody else just kind of doing the role. Obviously, big big game Maxi, and uh, Kentucky looks legit. EJ Montgomery still not playing the best. Nate Sestina is still up and down. Not getting hardly anything out of Khalil Whitney. Keon Brooks plays hard, but that's what I'm saying. Those three guys playing that well and playing that hard, setting the tone for Kentucky. The other guys seem to follow in suit and just play their role. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. They got a big game Tuesday against LSU. We'll find out a lot because LSU is big and strong, um, physical experience, all that. But the Cats are looking better. The Cats are looking better. That's all I can say. Um, also yesterday, again, Gonzaga struggles to put away a West Coast team, a West Coast Conference team. 75, Pepperdine 70. Pepperdine had every chance in the world to beat them. Gonzaga can't be playing with teams. Number two, Duke puts it on Miami, in Miami, 95-62. That's a place Miami and Florida State over the last decade has been very unkind to Duke. They go down and handle business against Jim Laranega's club. This Duke team looks for real now. Vernon Carey, 24 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists to lead the to lead all scores, really, but to lead the Blue Devils. Duke looks dangerous. Dangerous. The game of the day yesterday, number 3, Kansas, 60. Number 16, West Virginia, 53. Great game back and forth. West Virginia, Huggy Bear has always had Kansas' number since being at West Virginia. Physical teams going at each other's throat. Kansas with a very good win. Like I thought they would hold on. I think when that goes back to Morgantown, Kansas has lost like the last four or five years there. I think they lose again, to be honest, when they get there. Doke, 17 points, 11 rebounds. Oscar Sheboy, 17 points, 17 rebounds. Two hosses doing battle. Both teams, I think, are the best two teams in the conference right now. West Virginia should not fall far at all. Anybody who watches this team knows that this West Virginia team is good. But it's a conference opener for both teams. So Kansas 1-0 in the Big 12. West Virginia 0-1. Good, good stuff. Oregon bounces back. Beat Utah 69-64. Baylor in in their Big 12 opener. 59. Texas 44. Auburn stays undefeated in the SEC opener. 80. Mississippi State 68. Upset alert. Georgia 65. On the road at number 9. Memphis 62. Precious Achua 20 points. 15 rebounds. The Rayshon Hammonds at 15 and 12 to lead the Bulldogs. Georgia's now won, I think, seven in a row, 10 and three overall, two and one in conference. Memphis, their first loss since James Wiseman you know, got suspended and or left the team. I still think Memphis is fine, but more so, great win for Georgia and Tom Crean. This Georgia team finally starting to look like the team we thought they could be in the preseason. Keep an eye on the Bulldogs now. Keep an eye on the Bulldogs. And I lied. I said Kentucky plays LSU. Kentucky plays actually plays Georgia on Tuesday night. That's going to be a good one. Real quick, Big East play Marquette 71, Villanova 60. We mentioned that. Marcus Howard a 29. Butler 71, a good Creighton team that we just mentioned how good they were. 57, that shows how good Butler is. Good Lord, Butler is good. San Diego State over Utah State 77-68. Utah State loses two in a row now. But San Diego State passes one of the true tests I thought they would have. I said Utah State and BYU. San Diego State on the road handles business. Mar- number 15, Maryland puts it all over Indiana. Indiana is another team that lacks consistency. you got to figure it out. 
Penn State in a top 25 battle at home. 89, Iowa, number 23, Iowa, 86. Penn State for real this year, it looks like. Texas Tech blows out Oklahoma State. Arizona blows out rival Arizona State. And that's a Wichita State beats a beats up a, a good Ole Miss team. That's pretty much it, though, for all the reviews. Oh, today, Sunday, we also had a rivalry game. We had Michigan State beating up Michigan. Michigan's a team that's starting to come back down to earth, and I mean that with all due respect. We, we kind of go over, um, fell in love with them, I guess, in the Bahamas. And they've kind of fell back down to earth. But real quick, too, my Colorado team, and I just mentioned how good Oregon State is, they just lose at home to Oregon State, 76-68. Big shocker. But Michigan State beat Michigan 87-69. Whew, that's about it. We'll talk more. We're going to take a break in the action. I'll talk more about some of these games I just mentioned, along with previews and others. You're listening to episode 51 of Everything College Basketball. Coming right back to your holes after this. That's right, Freddie. Thanks for the words. The show must go on. Whether it's me or whether it was the three of us who kind of started this whole thing, the show must go on. I said real quick before the break, Colorado at home just losing to Oregon State. It's funny because just a couple minutes prior, going over both teams, I still believe a lot in this Colorado team. Um, But I also just had said how good I think Oregon State is, and they go on to or go into Colorado and beat a team that their state rival Oregon couldn't do. And they beat them pretty handily, 76-60 out, scoring Buffalo 44-29 in the second half after being down by seven at halftime. Oregon State, Ethan Thomas or Thompson at 24 points, nine rebounds, five assists. Great win for Oregon State. I told you, I literally just sat there and told you guys how good I think this Oregon State team is and how I think that they will contend for a tournament spot again, and they go into Colorado and win. Michigan State, we had just talked about it too, 87, Michigan 69. Michigan, when I said they were coming back down to earth, it's because we did fall, they didn't have many expectations with everything that had transpired. Losing, losing Iggy Brezdakis, losing Jordan Poole, losing Charles Matthews and the likes, only really bring back John Teske and Xavier Simpson. But then they have this hot start. They go from unranked to top five in the nation after winning the battle for Atlantis and beating the team. It's still Gonzaga's only loss. Then they lose to Louisville. Then they lose to Illinois. And then, you know what I'm saying? So they're starting to come back down to earth, but still a good job. By no means do I mean that's a not doing a great job by Juwan Howard. They're just starting to come back down to earth. They're now one and two in Big Ten play. But Michigan State, I just talked about them. They're playing back to their potential. That, that win now, Kentucky beating them, is starting to look better after it kind of faltering a little bit. Cassius Winston, 32 points, 9 assists. He's starting to play like that All-American type we thought he would be. State's now 4-0 in the Big Ten. So, teams inside the Big Ten, looks like Michigan State's back. Izzo, we knew Izzo would figure out a way. 
You know, they were struggling scoring the ball, but you knew they would just eventually figure it out. And it's going to get worse for the Big Ten teams in the conference as the season goes along because they're just going to keep getting better and better. They've got to avoid injuries like a lot of teams do, but especially a team like that because they really don't have the depth that they normally do. Their first six or seven is really good, but they don't really have the depth that they normally do. Also today, Xavier bounces back 75, St. John's 67, so that's two losses in a row now for St. John's. Najee Marshall again leads the Musketeers 20 points, eight rebounds. So Xavier's still holding tough. Illinois and Purdue just tipped off not too long ago. Illinois six, Purdue nothing. So it's still a long ways to go. Big one tonight in Seattle. Bit Pac 12 play. Arguably one of the hottest teams in the Pac 12. You know, U- USC 12 and 2 on the year, 1 and 1 0 in conference. Go to Washington. Just talked about how Washington. Needs to pick it up, so we'll see what the Huskies can do against a red-hot USC Trojans team tonight. We'll see. But as we start to look forward, starting to preview some of these games, we go into some big Monday games, taking a peek around the league, or I guess around the nation. (laughs) You know, big Monday, really. We haven't kicked it off full force yet, but the big one tomorrow night, number 16, West by God, Virginia, going to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, both teams 0-1 in conference. Oklahoma State's played a lot better than everybody thought they would this year. But I still fancy West Virginia in that matchup. Um, Really only one tomorrow on Big Monday. You go to Tuesday. Miami already playing Louisville for the second time. You remember they opened the year up. Very first game of the year. Louisville goes down to Miami and put it on the Hurricanes. Now they get the return game in Louisville. Can Louisville stop their two-game slide? Uh, let's see what the cards are made of. Miami coming off that blowout loss at home against Duke. So we'll see what happens. I fancy Louisville in this one, but Louisville needs to put a complete game together again to get their confidence back. I think a lot like Kentucky, I think it's all confidence-based, and they need to figure it out. They get a good, solid win against Miami. I think the cards will start to you know, put the pieces back together. But team's going to fall outside the top ten. Shouldn't fall outside the top 15 considering who they've lost to, but they're definitely falling out of the top 10. So we'll see what they're made of now on a two-game slide. Kentucky, again, speaking of the Wildcats, Tuesday night they go to a Georgia team that's winners of seven in a row. Bulldogs playing well. You know, both teams at 10 and 3. Kentucky's 1-0 in the conference. Georgia, this will be their conference opener. Got to go to Athens, a place that Kentucky's They've won out, but they've always struggled. I think about that year that we were – two years stand out to me. Actually, three. 2010 with John Wall and company, we were on a roll towards the end of the year. Georgia had a pretty good team, struggled most of that game until John Wall got a fast break, dunk, left-handed, banged on somebody. You think about the 2012 National Championship team with Anthony Davis company. Cats go down to Georgia, struggle for most of the game, squeak one out. I think about the 2014 team that goes undefeated for uh, all the way up until the national or to final four. If I spit it out, and that Carl Anthony Towns team. Remember we did the platoons, and the Cats rolled into Georgia, and Georgia had them on the ropes for 38 minutes, and Kentucky squeaked one out. Uh, so Georgia's going to. Tom Crean has always coached well against the Cats. You know that back at the IU. I ain't got to tell people that Marquette. With Dwayne Wade, stopped Kentucky and Keith Bogans and them going from a Final Four. Last year with Georgia, he didn't have the best team. Still coached hard against Kentucky. 
So it's gonna he's gonna do some stuff with the way they spread teams that are spread the floor, the stuff that obviously gave Kentucky fits. Utah beat them that way. Evansville beat them that way. So Georgia's gonna do more of the same, but they're gonna have the best play. It's gonna be one of those rare games that Georgia's gonna have the best player on the floor. Anthony Edwards projected overall number one pick, or at least number two, if you would think Wiseman goes one. Anthony Edwards, a superstar, gonna be best player on the floor on Tuesday night. And Kentucky doesn't normally go up against that, but Tuesday they will in Athens. Georgia is going to give Kentucky a lot of problems because Anthony Edwards is a big, big guard too. He's a little inconsistent. Uh, he's a little consistent scoring. He can either go for 45 or he might score only 10 points. But luckily for Georgia, guys like Rashawn Hammonds is playing well. Kentucky's going to get tested on Tuesday night. I'm going to say the Cats win because I like how hard they're playing, but if Ashton Higgins don't play in this game – I think Georgia upsets Kentucky. I, I really do. If Hagens plays and he's at least 85%, then I like Kentucky in this because I think he'll calm the waters. I think that three-guard lineup of him and Quickly and Maxi it will be too much. But if he don't play or if he only plays and he's somewhat healthy, I like Georgia in this game, man. I hate to say that, but and I think Kentucky's playing a lot better. I think they're playing harder, but you're going to have to come in for a you're going to come in for a fist fight against this Georgia team, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. They're the best player on the floor. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a great test. Do not sleep on the Bulldogs. Win or lose this game, do not sleep on the Bulldogs. Here's a good one in the Big Ten. Our two teams between, well, we actually Michigan State, but two of the best teams in the Big Ten, we'll put it this way, two of the, two of the better three as far as raw talent, preseason, and all that stuff. Ohio State goes to Maryland. Ohio State, like Louisville, is on a two-game slide. One and two in the Big Ten. Going to fall out of maybe the top ten. Maryland, team's playing better. Just blew out Indiana at home. Now they get the Buckeyes at home. We're going to find out. Oh, I love Super Tuesday. So glad Super Tuesday's back. We always get games like this now. We're going to find out because Maryland's going to challenge. I love that battle inside between Jalen Smith and Caleb Wesson. And then who from Ohio State's going to step up and guard um, guard Cowan? Who's going to start step up and guard Anthony Cowan Jr.? We're going to find out. Can Ohio State get back on track with a huge road win between two teams that are going to battle for the conference in an early, early clash in College Park? I don't. I'm going Maryland. I it's nothing against. I think Ohio State's still a good team. But I like how Maryland plays. I liked them at the beginning of the year. I'm going to stick with them. So give me Maryland in a close one. I'd put Ohio State up three games losing streak, by the way. Let's go also Super Tuesday. I know it's going to fly under the radar, but 21 Penn State goes to Rutgers. Rutgers is red hot right now as well. I think they've won five in a row. It's in Rutgers. Let's see. Penn State, I think, is for real this year. I think Penn State's got a very good chance to make the tournament. Tom Chambers first time. Is it Tom? No, it's not Tom. Um, Cha- Pat Chambers. Tom Chambers played in the NBA. Pat Chambers will be his first time in nine years at Penn State. Excuse me. I like Penn State here, but do not sleep on Rutgers. They are playing very well right now. Also on Super Tuesday, do we have any other big ones here? Scroll on the list. Scroll on the list. Villanova at Creighton. Again, that Big East is nuts. Nuts. The Big East is wild. 
Villanova at Creighton, it's a toss-up. Um, I still like Villanova, but Creighton being at home, I think Creighton wins this game. Here's a mega one, an absolute monster on Super Tuesday. 8 p.m. I guess, oh, actually, it'll be 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. Number six, Baylor goes to Waco, Texas to play number 22, Texas Tech. Oh, my goodness. What a matchup. Both teams 1-0 in the Big 12. Baylor 11-1. Texas Tech 10-3. Obviously, they hit three-game slide. They've got Jahemius Ramsey back, though. Texas Tech. I'm going to save my prediction on this, but Baylor's size against Texas Tech's just basically tenacity in their defense because Baylor's so good defensively. This could be one of those games that could, honest to God, be in the 50s final score because both teams, how good they play defense. So we'll see. I'll give my prediction on it here in just a little bit. Scrolling down on Tuesday night as well. That's it for Super Tuesday, but what a matchup. Oh, my goodness. Some big-time heavy hitters. Move over to Wednesday night. Wednesday night, St. John's, Georgetown renewing Old Big East rivalry. Georgetown's losers of two in a row, I think it is now. St. John's has now lost two in a row. So we're going to find out both teams desperate for wins. I like the Hoyas in that one. Indiana, speaking of a team desperate for a win, they've lost a couple in a row now. Indiana hosts in Northwestern. I like Indiana to get back on track and a blowout of Northwestern here. Speaking of a team that's got to get back on track. They're without Cole Anthony. They're without a couple other players, and they just lost Anthony Harris, arguably for the year. North Carolina is in real danger of not making the tournament. I gave that stat last year. There's four teams in America, or sorry, not four teams, four coaches in America that's currently coaching that have never, ever had a losing year or losing season. Roy Williams is one of them. Tom Izzo is one of them. Who was the other two? I got to remember off the top of my head who the other two was. I know Roy and Tom Izzo was, were two of them. I think Mike Anderson from St. John's was one. And I can't remember the other one. I'll have to go back and do my own research. It was one of those earlier podcast episodes from last season. But what I'm getting at, Roy Williams now, North Carolina is currently sitting at 8-6, and 1-2 and two in the ACC. You're without two of your best players, by far your best player, and you're just really thin. You're not very good. You're playing a decent Pittsburgh team. Playing a, even at Chapel Hill doesn't solve the equation. They're losing to Wofford at home. He's in real danger. And I'm not just saying this, you know, Summer, Sam, Conrad, all you North Carolina fans, you know I'm not just saying this. I just be real about it. North Carolina is in real danger of giving Roy Williams his first ever losing season. Because the ACC is pretty tough. And if you're struggling to score right now and you can't figure it out, it don't get easy. Even a team that you might have thought beginning of the year that's kind of bottom feeder, like Wake Forest is playing a lot better this year right now. North Carolina is in real danger of giving Roy Williams his first ever losing season. I don't know. Carolina is desperate for a win. I don't know. I don't even want to pick it. I want to say North Carolina finds a way to win, but no Anthony Harris, no Cole Anthony. You're banged up in your front court. I don't know. I'm going to say Pittsburgh wins. I just, if you're Carolina, I don't know how you solve it. I think this is just going to be one of those years that you just bury your head and hope for next year because helps on the way next year. But it just sucks because you basically burn a year that you get of Cole Anthony. And he's going to be hurt and you're not going to be very good. And 
But, it, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Here's a good one. SoCon. I need like a SoCon alert or something. East Tennessee State goes on the road to play UNC Greensboro. What a matchup that's going to be. Both teams 2-1 and one, the SoCon. East Tennessee State 13-3. and three. UNC Greensboro 12-4. and four. I like ETSU coming out with a close victory. SoCon action. Uh, Kansas, number, you know, playing a hell of a lot better. One of the better teams in the nation go to a place that they've struggled at for the last decade. They go to Ames, or, uh, yeah, they go to Ames to play Iowa State. Cyclones are not as good as they've been in the past, but still that place, just like in Morgantown, gives Kansas nightmares. I think Iowa State finds a way with the atmosphere and the fans are going to be, play a big factor. Kansas is just too good. Kansas wins. I think Kansas wins by six or seven points. A couple possessions, we'll put it that way. Seton Hall at Xavier, what a matchup on Wednesday night. Seton Hall, now that they're healthy, or for the most part healthy, I think squeaks one out. Miles Powell goes off, but, you know, Najee Marshall from Xavier, they're playing better. It's going to be a tight battle all the way in that tough Big East. I like Seton Hall, though. Duke's going to blow out Georgia Tech, I would imagine. Auburn blows out Vanderbilt, Illinois, Wisconsin, the way Wisconsin's playing. I want to say Illinois, but you got to go Wisconsin, that Cole Center. Tough place to play at. Let's move real quickly on to Thursday action. Well, if my my thing wants to scroll up. Oh, my heavens. What are we doing? Okay, I guess I'm going to have to manually scroll up. You guys are hearing this all live on the air, by the way. Oh, here's a good one on Thursday night. American Conference, we don't say much of. Number nine, Memphis, goes to number 24, Wichita State. The battle of the two best teams in the American Conference. Wichita State is playing at an extremely high level right now. Their only loss being to, I think it's VCU. Memphis, I still very high on them. It's a tough place to play, though, after coming off your coming off of a loss. I like Memphis. I think Memphis's size is going to be the difference. The way Precious Achua is playing, I think you're going to get another monster game out of him. But I think a guy like Boogie Ellis steps up, gives him 20-plus. I think Memphis goes in and a big, big win. Whoever wins this is going to have the one-game-up one game advantage on the other in the conference. I think these two are the two best teams inside the American Conference. Give me Memphis in that one. Here's a Big Ten that makes it interesting. Purdue goes on the road to Michigan. Michigan struggling a little bit. Purdue's inconsistent. We see what happens. Um, I think it'll be a very defensive game. I'm not going to make a prediction because I don't know on that one. Don't know, but that'll be another fun one on Thursday night. Any other clashes on Thursday night that stick out to me? No. Let me clear this ad. I think that has something to do with... Oh, uh, come on now. All right, here we go. Oh, here's a mega one on Thursday night in the West Coast. 25 Arizona, number four Oregon in Eugene, Oregon. Two teams of preseason we thought would be top 10 in the nation. Both have been off and on. Oregon holding home court. Arizona's got all the talent in the world, but they need a big win. They have not really had a big win. Some of their bigger games they've lost, except, except for like Illinois. You know, they've lost to Gonzaga. They've lost on the road at Baylor. They lose to St. John's. Arizona's in desperate need of a win for a team that's got a lot of talent. Uh, they're talented enough to be in the top 10. 
But do they go to Eugene and win? I'm going Oregon here. I still think Arizona is a good team, but I like Oregon. But my goodness, Thursday night, that'll be fun. It'll be fun in the Pac-12. When's the last time we said that? The Pac-12 is good this year, though. I will say that. I think the Pac-12 is underrated. I think the Pac-12 is very underrated this year. They got some good teams. Moving on to Friday night. Friday night, number 15, Maryland. Number 23, Iowa. Good game. Iowa's Luke Garza is putting up ridiculous numbers right now, putting up sometimes 30 and 15 rebounds, it seems like, at seven foot. But do they have enough to hold off Maryland? I don't know. But obviously Big Ten's wild. It's going to be a haymaker, knockdown, slugfest all of season. I like Maryland going in and squeaking one out. Big, think about the week, though, Maryland could potentially have. At home, beating Ohio State. Going on the road on Friday night, beating Iowa, two top 25 teams. I think that sets Maryland up not only to be right there in contention to win the conference, but I think that sets them up to be a top seven or eight team in America again. I like the Terrapins. I think they've got all the talent in the world. Nothing else really on Friday night. And then we move to Saturday, some of the big games on Saturday quickly. Oh, well, I say quickly. Kentucky hosts Alabama. I wrote that article back in the summer, how good Alabama I think can be. I still think they've got potential. They blew a game against Florida last night. Alabama's still got a lot of talent. Kyra Lewis Jr., you know how good he is. John Petty, how good he can be. But I like Kentucky in that. Louisville goes to Notre Dame. Are we going? I mean, Louisville's just struggling. Notre Dame's a team that's playing a little better right now. You know, the most experienced team in D1 basketball can Notre Dame get a big win against Louisville? Can Louisville go to Notre Dame and fight that hostile crowd in South Bend? We'll find out. Indiana, it doesn't get much easier. I thought that they, earlier in the week, that they get back on track, blowing out Northwestern. Now they get another big test on Saturday afternoon. Noon tip time on Fox in Assembly Hall. Indiana hosts the number five Ohio State. We'll see how well Indiana's backcourt does against Ohio State's Deep backcourt. I think Indiana's deep. I think they've got it. But I'm also curious to see how Joey Brunk and Trace Jackson Davis and that front court of Indiana does against guys like Caleb Wesson. That's going to battle them hard. They're going to push them around. They're going to try to beat them up. But here's here again, I like Indiana in this matchup. I think if Indiana can hit the three ball like they used to and have potential to, I think this game could look very similar to Florida State, a, a big team that's going to battle you hard, not as tall as Florida State or maybe as long, but they're big and wide, strong. I think it could be very similar to that, and you've seen Indiana spread Florida State out. I think Indiana can do the exact same to Ohio State, but it all starts hitting shots because remember against Florida State, Devontae Green went off, so we'll see. But I like the Hoosiers in that one. Oh. God, what a week for Baylor. It's probably be our game of the week. I'll have to figure it out tomorrow. But our game of the day, Baylor goes on the road to Kansas. Baylor earlier in the week plays Texas Tech on the road. Now they got to go to Kansas. We're about to find out what the Baylor Bears are really made of. If they could knock off Texas Tech and turn around and beat Kansas, Baylor establishes themselves right with Gonzaga and Duke as the top teams in the nation. I firmly be, believe that. But... I just think Kansas is too much, and playing in Allen Fieldhouse, I think that's the difference. I think the same way with West Virginia. You go to um, Baylor, and I think it's a different story. 
but I think in this one, Kansas is too much. But that athleticism and size of Baylor, the way they can play defense and they that length is going to surround guys like Doak. Kansas isn't going to have the extreme advantage in the front court that they normally do. It's going to come down to backcourt play. Because it comes down to backcourt play, Kansas has Devon Dotson, Kansas has Oche Abaji, and I think that's why Kansas gets the win. I look for a guy like Isaiah Moss to come off the bench and have a crazy game. Crazy game. But that's going to be so fun, though. Um, trying to find some other big ones here on Saturday. Marquette Seton Hall. This is going to be the first of two matchups between two of the better scorers, two potential All-Americans in the nation. We we get to see Marcus Howard v. Miles Powell. Those two combined could legit put up 80, 90 points. That could be a, a complete slugfest. Those are so fun. And it'll go a long way to determine the Big East as well. So let me know in the, the comments who you got winning that one, Marquette or Seton Hall. Fun ones all around. Scrolling down, I talked about Georgia. I know they got their hands full Tuesday night at home against Kentucky. Saturday afternoon, they go to Auburn. That could be Auburn's first loss right there. Actually, I'm going to go as far as to say it is. Georgia knocks off Auburn, gives them their first loss of the year Saturday afternoon. There's something about it. I think Georgia just gushed over them. I think that that's Auburn's first loss, and I'm really high on this Auburn team. Also Saturday afternoon, Texas Tech at West Virginia. Oh, it's going to be another game that could be in the 50s. But I don't even know what to say about that one. I think I like both teams a lot. I like both teams a lot. Um, I think West Virginia's size could end up being the factor because both teams play extremely hard on the defensive end. I think West Virginia would look to get out and run a little bit more and being at home. I think West Virginia squeaks one out like 57-56, something nuts like that. Scrolling down. Oh, here's another good SoCon game Saturday night. Furman hosts UNC Greensboro. Oh, cool me down with a wet towel, please. I like Furman in that game, though. Um, Duke hosts a oh, Tobacco Road opponent, Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest actually surprises them, gives them a good game. Duke too much right now. They're playing so well right now. And that's pretty much it. That's your that's your weekend review. Let me know what you guys think about some of these games. Uh, like I said, this is the time of the year now in conference play. Every night, essentially, you're going to have crazy good games, ranked matchups, historic rivalries that mean a lot, and every game means something towards the conference. So let me know your thoughts after listening to this. Go to the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash everything college basketball. Let your opinion be heard on what you think on some of these crazy, you know, crazy games I just went over. And let me know your thoughts. Um, we'll be glad to share them. Speaking of which, we're going to take one final break in the action. When we come back, we're going to start wrapping things up. Of course, we got to hit all of our segments. we got some news to talk about, talk maybe a little bracketology, all that and much more. Coming back to you on episode 51 of Everything College Basketball. Catch you in a minute. You're listening to Everything College Basketball Podcast. Go ECB! Go ECB! What's happening, College Hoops fans? It is Conrad Cushman from the Everything Pro Wrestling Podcast, and I'm here to tell you how you can follow Everything Pro Wrestling. First, go to your Facebook, type in the search bar, Everything Pro Wrestling. Look for our official page with over 1,000 likes, and make sure you give it a like. 
Also, we have a closed group with over 200 members in it where you can join discussions and talk about anything and everything pro wrestling. We also have a Twitter handle, and that is at EPW Show. And we have a podcast, and the podcast is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And remember, Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. Now let's get back to talking some college hoops. Hey, that's right. Money, money, money team. Floyd Mayweather's entrance theme song sums it up perfectly. Again, we I appreciate you guys sticking with me. We'll get used to this together as a solo dolo thing. But this thing's going to keep on rising to the tizop, if you know what I mean. Um, the money team, that's what you guys are a part of because you're part of the ECB family, the part of the ECB podcast, and we're only going to keep going up from here. Start to wrap up episode 51 here. We got to hit up some, uh, still some more stuff to talk about. We've already reviewed games, previewed games, went in depth on stuff. Excuse me. Um, couple things I want to talk about. Let's review. I know it's early in conference play, but there's a couple reasons why I want to start looking at conference standings. Let's just hit up the big five, okay? The power five conferences. Because I'm going to tell you the conference standings, and then I'm going to release my first batch. Remember I told you a couple weeks ago I would do this. Kind of fell off track, but I'm going to start doing this every other week now for the power five conferences. I'm going to release my own power rankings. So let's do the conference standings as they are on January 5th, 2020. You start with the Atlantic Coast Conference, otherwise known as ACC. At the top of the league, you got Duke and Virginia at 3-0. Florida State's 3-1. Louisville, Boston College, 2-1. Georgia Tech, 2-2. And then you start getting teams with losing records. Notre Dame, North Carolina, Syracuse, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, Miami, all at one and two, tied. And then Clemson's at one and three. Now, you heard that, how that played out. Now, here's my power rankings. This is according to me. Again, based on how, according how I feel like each team stacks up, where they stand. You guys know power rankings, how they are. Excuse me real quick. Now, Here's my power rankings, the first of the year for the ACC. Duke's on top, as they should be. I think Duke's the, one of the best teams in the nation. Arguably, could be the best team in the nation right now. So, no reason why they should be on top of the ACC power rankings. Florida State, two. I've got Virginia, three. Yes, I do. I know Virginia's tied at the top with Duke in the records, but I think Florida State's playing better. Give me Florida State, two. Virginia, three. I still think Louisville's four, even on the two-game slide. I still think they've got a lot of potential. I don't, I'm not putting too much stock in the two-game slide considering who they've played, but we're about to find out what Louisville's made of. I got Notre Dame five. I think the Notre Dame fighting Irish. You look at them right now. They've won two in a row. They're 10 and four overall. I know they're one and two in conference, but I still think this Notre Dame team's got a lot of potential. Six, North Carolina State. Seven, Wake Forest. This is the Wake Forest team who currently sets at 
one and two in ACC play, eight and five overall, but they've won three in a row. That's a team that's playing better. Just beat Pittsburgh. I think Wake Forest is about middle of the pack right now. I think it's perfect for them. Eight, Boston College. Nine, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech team that just slaughtered North Carolina, by the way. Ten, Pittsburgh. Eleven, Syracuse. Has Syracuse, since they've came to ACC about four or five years ago, have they had a good year in the ACC? I don't think they have. So Syracuse 11, Virginia Tech 12, Miami 13, 14, Clemson. And you're about to hear it. Yes, I'm getting ready to say it. But dead last in the power rankings in the ACC, I've got North Carolina. Now, if you're a North Carolina fan, you take umbrage with what I say. That's okay. I think it just, if you look at the state of North Carolina, they've lost, what, four of their last six. I think I think it sounds right. I had to pull it up. Let me pull it up. I think for their last six, with the injuries that they have, them not be able to score the basketball, I think North Carolina's in trouble. They've actually lost, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six of their last nine. Six of their last nine. Now, to their credit, they have lost to Michigan. They've lost to Ohio State. They lost at Virginia. And they've lost at Gonzaga. But they've also lost at home to Wofford. They've also got blown out at home by a pretty bad Georgia Tech team, or at least a so-so Georgia Tech team. So I don't know. Um, I've got them right now, and this is just because I just I don't see it getting any better. You lose Anthony Harris for the year. Cole Anthony's hurt. We've been over it. North Carolina and Ken Palm. Let's actually pull them up in Ken Palm real quick and see how they look. Because, like I said, Ken Palm says a lot, and maybe I'm overreacting, but I also know like Summer and Sam Hildebrand, big time Carolina fans. I mean, North Carolina, 61st in offense, 66th in defense. Just, it's not good. It could be worse. It definitely could be worse, but it's not good. Uh, you look at their. 314th and two-point percentage. They're shooting 44.4% from inside the arc. 314 out of like 351 schools. Three-point percentage. They're 270 shooting 30.6%. So you're starting to see now when the stats, okay, even worse. 65.9% from the free throw line puts them 293 in the nation. You understand right there in those three stats alone where North Carolina is. I've got Carolina dead last in the ACC power rankings. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but I've got them dead last. Hopefully, if you're a Carolina fan, for your sake, you can figure something out and start playing better. The Big 12 conference standings, as is, you got to tie at the top because they've, you know, a lot of these are going to be because they're one game or two games in. But Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, TCU, all 1-0 in the conference. Texas, West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, all 0-1. Here's how my power rankings shake out, though, inside the Big 12. Big 12, I've got Kansas 1, as they should be. I still got West Virginia 2. I think that they are extremely talented. Baylor 3, Texas Tech 4. I think those top four, it's like that ceiling, or I think it's that first level, and then you have like two or three teams at next level, and then you have the bottom three teams at a certain level. So Kansas 1, West Virginia 2, Baylor 3, Texas Tech 4, Oklahoma 5, TCU 6, Texas 7, Oklahoma State 8, Iowa State 9, and at the very bottom of the list, Kansas State, they're not good this year. 
Bruce Weber does not have a very good team this year. They lost a lot last year. You think about a guy like Barry Brown, um, they, they lost quite a bit. Not a good team this year. They're at seven to six overall. They're just, they're not very good. Now they could turn it around, but as of right now, they're not very good. Now I'm not doing the Big East just yet. I will get to them, even though I've said how good their conference is. I've fired power rankings. You look at the Big East standings, though. Three teams at the top Butler, Seton Hall, Providence, all 2 0. You got Creighton, Marquette, uh, Villanova, and Xavier all 1 1. And then DePaul, St. John's, Georgetown, 0 2. DePaul, 12 2, but they were 0 2 in conference now on a two game slide. I hope for their sake that they still continue to win because they've started the gear off too good to fade away now. Big East is tough, though, so I'd like to see them make the tournament. That's just me, though. But I do not have a Big East power rankings. The Big Ten standings as of right now. Michigan State at top alone, 4-0 in conference. Then you got Penn State, Rutgers, Purdue, Maryland, and Wisconsin all at 2-1. You've got then a bunch of losing teams in the conference right now. Michigan, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State, Illinois, Nebraska, and Minnesota at 1-2. And And then Northwestern, the only team that hasn't won yet in the conference at 0-2. Here's how my Big Ten power rankings shake out, though. Let me scroll up to them. Well, maybe. Scroll up. Okay, Big Ten power rankings. I got Michigan State 1. I think that's deserved. I got Penn State 2. Tell me a team right now outside Michigan State that's playing better than Penn State. Winners of 5 in a row, 12-2 and two overall, 2-1 and one in the conference. Got some pretty big wins on their resume. Tell me a team that's playing better than Penn State right now. At least in the Big Ten. I mean, if you wanted to be technical, you could go, right? You could say, oh, well, Gonzaga's playing better. You look at Penn State. They just come off the win of a top 25 matchup against Iowa. They've beaten a decent Alabama team. They've beaten that really good Maryland team. Their only conference losses to the blowout to Ohio State. They beat a Wake Forest team that's playing better. They've beat Georgetown. Penn State is top 35 in both offense and defense in the nation. Top 35 in offense and defense. There's a reason why Pat Chambers has him. He's got a superstar. We knew coming in the year Lamar Stevens was the deal. We knew he was the truth. He could put up 30. But they've got players around him now. Penn State second in my Big Ten power rankings right now. I got Wisconsin third. Again, Wisconsin. Winners of four in a row, including wins over Indiana. The win against Ohio State, wins at Tennessee. Wisconsin's playing well right now. I got Ohio State still four, even on two-game slide. I still think that they're a good team. I got Maryland five. Could change. Could very easily change this next week. Rutgers six. I told you don't be sleeping on Rutgers. Rutgers winner of five in a row. 11-3 and overall. Don't sleep on Rutgers. Purdue seven. I got Michigan eight. Iowa 9, Indiana 10, Illinois 11, Nebraska 12, Minnesota 13, and Northwestern 14. I know the Big Ten is arguably, our, as far as members in the group, the most populous conference in our group as far as fan base goes. So I'm sure I'm going to hear a lot about that. So let me know your Big Ten power rankings. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? What would you change? Curious to hear about it. Moving on, though. Let's go down to Funky Town. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, let me scroll on down to the Southeastern Conference, please. Actually, let's hit the Pac-12 first. 
Pac-12 actual standings right now at all at one and zero atop the conference. Stanford, USC, Arizona one and zero. Then you have a whole bunch of them tied at one and one. Colorado, Oregon, Washington State, Oregon State, Utah, and UCLA all at one and one. They have three teams that have not got a win yet. At 0-1, you got Arizona State, Washington, and California. Here's my power rankings for the Pac-12 conference. Colorado still have number one, even though they did lose just now to um, Oregon State. Still have them at number one. I got Oregon number two, USC three. USC, talked about them briefly. They got a big game this week against uh, Washington. USC's won six in a row. They're now 12-2 and two on the year. Six in a row, red-hot USC team coming in at three in the power rankings for the conference. Arizona four, Stanford five, Utah, or Washington State six, Utah. Actually, I'm going to switch this around because of the game that just happened. So I'm going to put Oregon State at seven. I've got Oregon State seven. I've got Utah at eight. I'm switching as we go right here. And then nine, I've got Washington. So I had it made up before the game got finished. Then I have to switch around. And then 10 UCLA, 11 Arizona State, 12 California. Let me know about your Pac-12 thoughts. I still have Colorado. I still think they're the best team in the conference right now. But you can make an argument for Oregon if you want. In the SEC, you have a bunch of teams at 1-0 right now. Auburn, Kentucky, LSU, Arkansas, Florida, all top conference 1-0. Then you have a handful of teams that haven't played a conference game yet at 0-0. Georgia, Old Miss, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and then you have a bunch of teams 0-1 at the bottom of it, Mississippi State, Missouri, Tennessee, Alabama, Texas A&M. Here's how my power rankings shake out for the Southeastern Conference. I got Auburn 1, I got Kentucky 2. That could go, I mean, Auburn goes for 1 for sure because they're undefeated and all that, but I think Kentucky right now is nipping their heels. I've got Arkansas 3, LSU 4, Georgia 5. Georgia's got a big week this week. If they were to beat Kentucky and Auburn, Georgia could easily go to number one. And I know it sounds crazy. They'd, eat, they'd put them at 12-3, and three, winners of like nine in a row. Yeah, yeah, beating the top two in the power rankings. But we'll see. So Georgia 5, Florida 6, Ole Miss 7, 8 Alabama, 9 Mississippi State, 10 Vanderbilt, 11 Missouri, 12 South Carolina, 13 Tennessee, 14 Texas A&M. Florida at six is the most disappointing team to me in America this season thus far. We had them at some publications, and I know we did have them inside the top five, top six, top you know top ten at least. And they are a team that is struggling with all that talent. RJ Nimhard, they get the transfer in from Virginia Tech, Kerry Blackshear, supposed to be able to be this deep, talented team, you know. Trey Mann, Scotty Lewis, and all them. Florida's currently 29th in Ken Palm, so Ken Palm still believes them for the most part. But they've got losses. Like I said, 9-4 in the year. They've got losses to Florida State, Connecticut. Not a good Connecticut team. Butler and Utah State. Three of them I'll give passes to. Florida State, Butler, Utah State. Even though Utah State's struggling right now, all good teams. Connecticut, to me, no. Um, they have wins over Miami. They do have a win over Xavier, which is impressive. Providence undefeated right now in the Big East. Good win. And come from behind two overtimes against Alabama. But this is a team that's loaded with talent and potential. We, this is a team that could easily be in the top ten. 
They're in the top 40 in both offense and defense in, or in Ken Palm. They've got some good stats, but they haven't put it together. This is still a dangerous Florida team, though. But to me, they've been the most disappointing team in America outside of maybe North Carolina. And North Carolina at least has some injuries to fall back on excuse-wise. So we'll find out, but I still think Florida's got a lot of potential. We could be sitting here laughing about this at the end of the year right now. Let's go ahead and get into some of the superlatives. How about shout-outs? It's weird just me doing that now. But I go with Cassius Winston. Today's win over rival Michigan, 32 points, 9 assists in the win. He's starting to play like an All-American right now again, getting healthy. Michigan State's on a roll. How about Desher Bowie from Hofstra, 44 points, including 6 of 8 from 3 in the win over Elon earlier in the week. Big-time performances deserve big-time shout-outs. And then Penn State, 12-2 and two overall, 2-1 and one in, in the Big Ten, top 40 in offense in, top 40 in offense and defense, 31-30 and 30 to be exact. Penn State's doing it, and you got to be impressed with Penn State. you got to be impressed with them. How about my bank on it, since it's just me now? I said I was going to hold off. Super Tuesday, Texas Tech. 72, Baylor, 66. That's right, calling the minor upset. But I just like this Texas Tech team. I think I said both teams that could end up being in the 50s. Now I got thinking about it. It'll probably be like the national championship between Texas Tech and Virginia. Two great defensive teams. It ends up being a high-scoring game. So I, I do have Texas Tech regardless winning that ball game, knocking off Baylor. What a great game, though. Seriously, what a great game. Let's go ahead and I told you we'd talk a little bracketology here. I know it doesn't mean much, but I think there's some interesting stuff to chat about. Little bracketology, the new one just came out the January 3rd, so a couple days back. The one seeds are as follows. Gonzaga in the West, Duke in the East, Ohio State Midwest, even though that'll be dropping soon, and Kansas in the South. Some interesting things, potential matchups. Indiana's a nine seed playing an eight Marquette. The winner would play Duke. Um, Kentucky all the way down to a six seed still. I expect that to go back up, but crazy to see the cats that low. To me, honestly, I was looking at this. If this was real life right now, that'd be a terrible draw because they'd be playing out West. They'd be a six seed. They get by BYU. They'd probably play Oregon in the second round. Then in sweet 16, they're either going to play Texas Tech, Florida, or San Diego State more than likely. And then in the elite eight, they'd have to play probably Gonzaga or, or Florida State. That'd be terrible. They have Butler, a two-seed in the East. That's a cool deal. West Virginia, three out there in the East. Um, Louisville's down to a three in the Indianapolis region, though. Baylor's a two. Seton Hall's a seven in that region. Purdue's a nine-seed. would play an eight-seed Arkansas in the South. They would more than likely have to play Kansas in the second round, so I'm not sure how, if you're a Boiler fan how much you'd appreciate that. Here's a matchup that would be fun if that was real. Number six, Colorado, 11, Liberty. Ooh, what a matchup. The defending champs, Virginia, is down to a seven line right now against a 10 line Utah State. Auburn's a two. They have conference breakdown nine from the Big Ten in right now, eight from the Big East, six from the Big 12, five from the Pac 12, five from the ACC, four for the SEC, who's been sort of disappointing so far, three from the American, three from the West Coast, and two from the Mountain West. Your last four buys, you'd look at Utah State, Florida, Stanford, North Carolina State. Last four in would be Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Washington, and DePaul. First four out, Minnesota, Northern Iowa, Tennessee, VCU. 
And then next four out would be Temple, St. John's, LSU, Rutgers. Of course, this is all going to change with his next update. You know, Tennessee wouldn't even be close to being in the tournament right now. You would look at other teams who would be solidly in. Other Like Kentucky would probably move up a line or two. There's a lot of stuff, but bractology is always fun this time to start paying attention to. Um, I know I always do. It's about the time where he releases it once a week, I think on a Monday or Tuesday. And then as we get closer, it's two or three times a week. And then it's like every day. I like bracketology. I know it doesn't mean much, especially right now in January. But to me, it's fun to look at and take a peek. I know Peyton's the recruiting guy, but I'm going to start filling in some here. The only big recruiting news that happened this week of real consequence, the number six player in the nation, Jalen Suggs, decides to go to Gonzaga, their highest-ranked recruit ever in the program's history. He chose Gonzaga over the likes of like Florida, Florida State, Iowa State. Like He's chose them over some big, big players. He's the number two point guard behind Cade Cunningham in America. Like I said, number six overall. Six, four, six foot four point guard from Minnehaha Academy in Minnesota. He's also a high level quarterback rated as a four star prospect by ESPN in football, which is absolute crazy. Um, to be a five star basketball player, four star football player, you got to be pretty dang good on that. But, uh,. He chose to go to Gonzaga, though, their highest play or highest ranked player of all time. But here's the catch. Here's the catch. He does say that's a very real possibility of him going overseas. This is where things going to start biting everybody now. I hope one he ends up suiting up for Gonzaga next year. Not because I'm a Gonzaga guy or nothing, but you want to see top players play. I'm tired of them. I don't blame them for going overseas to get paid, but you want to see the guys stay in and play. Play college ball. Stay stateside and play. So I really hope he suits up, but it does say that there's a chance of him moving on to overseas, which would just absolutely suck. Like, that's no fun. No fun at all. As we start to wind this show down, though, again, I can't thank you guys enough for, you know, for sticking with me. And uh, we'll we'll figure this thing out together, and we're going to continue to build a worldwide fan base. And, Make this thing as strong as possible, pretty much. I do have one final shout-out as soon as I can get to it. The winner of our first-ever ECB Fantasy Football Championship and winning a prize pack from us. Let me pull it up. Our very own Johnny Stroud wins the Super Bowl. Ended up in first place, beating our very own Summer Hildebrand in pretty dominant fashion in the Super Bowl really but Johnny's our first ever ECB Super Bowl champion Johnny I'll get with you with a surprise pack soon enough so congratulations on that like I said guys this has been episode 51 of the ECB podcast get used to just hearing me I'll ha- I will line up a bunch of guests and some co-hosts from time to time so but if you have any improvements or changes let me know actually I do have one one other thing real quick we had some questions I've been trying to start a new fan or a uh, a new segment here on the show where it's like ECB mailbag. I almost forgot about that. Had a couple questions come in. Johnny Stroud asked about his Hoosiers, basically an Archie Miller. If Archie doesn't get to the Hoosiers to the tournament, what, you know, would you get rid of him basically? And I don't know. He's got good recruiting classes coming in, but he's had good classes. I think this team's talented enough to make the tournament. I saw that last year. 
if Archie don't make the tournament this year, I think you got to look long and hard. I know buyout clauses can be a pain in the ass, but I think if he doesn't make the tournament with this team this year, I don't know. I don't think there's enough rumbling yet to fire him because I don't think he's in as he, you know, I think you at least got to give him four years unless it's a complete disaster like Kentucky had with uh, Billy Gillespie. But it's not been that. It's just been not as fast as IU fans want. But if you don't make tournament this year, I think next year is definitely make or break. But we'll see. I mean, how impatient or patient is the IU brass, especially with AD Fred Glass retiring? We'll find out. Uh, we had a funny one. You know, I'm pretty sure he's being sarcastic. But Larry Rose, J.R. Rose, asked how long will Cal be at Kentucky? As long as he wants to be. I mean, he got that lifetime contract. As long as Cal wants to coach and be at Kentucky, that's when he's going to be there. We win consistently. We don't always maybe win the championship, but we're always a contender. We always have good teams. He's going to be there until he's done coaching, right? So pretty much that answers it. Summer asks, what's wrong with North Carolina? How can they fix it? Summer, I don't know if you can fix it. I really don't. I like guys like KJ Smith because they're Kenny Smith's son. I think he plays really hard. But you're not going to win many ball games right now with KJ Smith. And with Cole Anthony out, unless all of a sudden you were to find some grad transfer like Tennessee's got that just got eligible to play that's played in like Uruguay and been a superstar there, I don't see help on the way. You're going to have to, Roy's going to have to, for the first time in his career, stop trying to push the ball and score 90 and just give it up and pray his defense holds up and play like a Virginia esque game. Or he's going to say full send it mode and go loyal to Marymount and said, all right, let's just shoot first shot we get in the half court. Let's shoot in three seconds or less and hope we hit 43s. Because if you're just going to continue to play the style you're playing, Carolina's in trouble. And I know you don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. Carolina's in trouble. But with that being said, Hopefully you guys start um, go to the Facebook group from now on. I'll have a, a spot up weekly. You guys start at, uh, you know, asking questions. We'll start getting that taken care of. We'll have the weekly pick them results up soon enough. And with that, you guys continue to support us. I appreciate that. I say us, but I guess technically me now. Com- continue to support. Can't thank you enough. This will continue to go on like I played at the beginning. The show must go on. And ECB podcast lives on for another 50 plus episodes. So with that said, let's continue to make this bigger, better, better. And until episode 52, I'm your captain of this ship, Josh Burton, and I'm signing off. See ya. Boom.